Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Sometimes you have a bad day, and then sometimes you end up losing the multi-billion dollar company that's been in your family for five generations. If you're in the first set of people, you probably have something that you can learn from people in the second category, and you are in luck today because we are going to be hearing from someone who had a terrible experience in his life, but he's learned from that experience, and he helps other leaders do the same, learn from difficult situations in their lives so that they can rebound back and lead lives of significance. We're going to get to a little bit more about our guest in just a second, but first... It's great when you have time to listen to podcasts, but sometimes you just need to get straight to the facts. And that's why we've put together the Leadership Action List. It's a year's worth of weekly action steps to improve your leadership. If you want to be a noticeably different leader in one year, this simple but effective resource is for you. Download this list for free at leadershipactionlist.com. Once again, for an entire year of weekly leadership development, go to leadershipactionlist.com. Our guest today is the founder of Crucible Leadership, a philosophical and practical breakthrough in turning business and personal failures into the fuel for igniting a life of significance. He was the fifth generation heir to a media empire bearing his family name, and at 26, he led and lost a multi-billion dollar public takeover bid. The company founded by his great-great-grandfather slipped from family control after 150 years, leaving him to examine not only his own shortcomings and losses, but also his life's principles and the lessons he learned from those those who came before him. Now our guest helps others to learn from what he describes as their own crucible experiences and emerge to lead a life rooted in who they are and to become the leaders they were born to be. Here is Warwick Fairfax. Warwick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Josh. Great to be here. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions to help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Absolutely. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Well, I'm sure we'll get into my story a bit more later, but basically it was growing up in a 150-year-old family media business in Australia, did my undergrad at Oxford like some other relatives, went to Harvard Business School, was trying to mold myself to lead this very large media organization. And um, I felt like what was needed was some take charge, Rupert Murdoch kind of decisive leader. And I'm basically a reflective advisor. I like writing, coaching, asking questions. So it was a terrible fit. So basically the lesson that I learned from that is kind of live and lead in light of your design. And I was I was trying to fit a role rather than trying to be who I was. So yeah, I'm sure we'll get more into the story, but that's sort of the the biggest lesson I learned through that whole experience. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, kind of follows on what I was saying as a leader is true to who they are, lives a life on purpose and a life on purpose dedicated to serving others. So those three components, being true to who you are, a life led on purpose and a life dedicated to serving others. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? Am I following a calling that will leave a legacy that I and those I care about will feel is important? What's a book that you would recommend to leaders? I love history. I'm sure we'll talk about this in the book that's coming out next year on Crucible Leadership. I talk uh, about Lincoln, and one of my favorite books on Lincoln is by Doris Kearns Goodwin, uh, Team of Rivals. It's one of the single best books for leaders because it shows how Lincoln assembled a team of rivals, those who were his rivals for the Republican nomination for president, who really had no respect for him, at least coming in uh, to working with him. So to assemble a team of rivals who think you're basically an idiot and you know the wrong man won the nomination, and then to forge such a close team that by the end they admire your leadership, that's, that is quite a turnaround. So I love that book. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? You know, I think it's interesting. You know, you mentioned listener in the, in the question. It's actually to listen to those around you. It could be your team, those you work with, in the organization. There's so much wisdom and valuable feedback from those around you. And often leaders, they're so concerned with getting things done, they don't listen enough to those around them who could really help them take the leadership to the next level. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I kind of like open-ended questions. So saying to your team, well, why should we do this? You know, why are we in this market or this industry? That's more of an open-ended. Sometimes by saying, why not? Well, here's my plan. Um, why not? You know, why shouldn't we do this kind of thing? I don't know, to me, why feels like a bit more of an open-ended question that uh, might invite uh, more discussion. Well, Warwick, we're here today to talk really about your life experiences. Sometimes we have an interview to promote a book or something like that, and it sounds like you have one coming out in the future. But we have a lot that we can learn, I think, from your life experiences, and I'm excited that you're willing to share those today. First of all, I want to hear a little bit about the organization you founded, Crucible Leadership. Could you tell us about what that is, what its mission is, and the change that you want to see in leaders' lives through this organization? Basically, Crucible Leadership is all uh, built around the framework of how do you bounce back beyond a crucible experience? And we define crucibles as it could be tragedy, trauma, it could be loss of a loved one. It could be losing a business. We've had people who were abandoned orphans, survivors of abuse. We've had a Navy SEAL that became a paraplegic in a training accident, all kinds of crucibles. So really a crucible is something that who you are afterwards is not the same as who you were before. It's a transformative experience. There's a life before and the life after. So with crucible experiences, you have a choice. You can either kind of head under the covers and say, this was awful, it was my fault, or it wasn't my fault, and just give up on life and just, you know, wait for everything to end 30, 40, 50 years later, however long we all have. 
So with Crucible Leadership, we're focused on helping leaders bounce back from Crucible experience to live what we call a life of significance, a life on purpose dedicated to, to others. And you know, we have a whole kind of system and philosophy of, of how you do that. But that's basically our focus is helping leaders live lives of, of significance. And you see the Crucible experience is not the um, kind of end of their story, but you know, it sounds optimistic, but actually a uh, an exciting new chapter and, uh, you know, a new part of their lives. And I can imagine that a crucible moment doesn't feel like an exciting new opportunity or new beginning in the moment. And that's one thing that makes someone like yourself who can change that perspective come into someone's life and help to bring about that transformation. That's why you are so vital. One of the things that would be interesting to hear from you is from your personal experience, as well as from your experience working with other leaders, what is the difference between people who bounce back from a crucible moment and people who just sort of wallow in their experience? And like you said, just plan to spend the next however long, whether it's a decade or multiple decades, wishing that things would have been different and that their life wouldn't be as it is right now. Yeah, I mean, I can think of a couple of stories. Uh, we have our own uh, podcast, Beyond the Crucible. We've interviewed a, a whole bunch of people, but maybe a good opportunity to share a bit about uh, my story because that's really where Crucible Leadership came from is, um, you know, how was I going to bounce back? So just to kind of give the, the Cliff Notes version of my story, I grew up in a 150-year-old family media business. At its height, it had the equivalent of the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal of our country. It had TV, radio stations, newsprint mills, magazines. It was a very large company, thousands of employees. And so by the time I was growing up, as I mentioned, went to Oxford, Harvard Business School, worked on Wall Street, and I was trying to groom myself to lead this company. So fresh out of business school in 1987, my dad died earlier that year, and I was seen as the heir apparent. I felt like the company wasn't being well run or run along the the ideals of the founder who was a person of great faith and you know great family man, great leader, elder in his church. Uh, employees loved him, did everything right. So in 1987 I launched this 2.25 billion dollar takeover again ostensibly you know make the company be better run and restore it to the ideals of the founder. And right from the beginning, other family members sold out. October 87 stock market crash, our asset sales, kind of everything went wrong. We ended up with too much debt. And three years later, when Australia got in a big recession, uh, newspapers being very cyclical, the company went bankrupt. So that was kind of my crucible in a nutshell is I'd wanted to restore the company to the ideals of the founder, have it be well managed, you know, make it safe from takeover. And what I did directly caused friction with my family, caused instability with a whole lot of people that work for the company. And I was in a position where I had to figure out, well, what do I do now with my life? I was groomed to be this leading figure within this large media company. And so it took me a lot of years to figure out, well, who am I? You know, what's my purpose in life? And at that point, you know, you really have a choice. You either just say, okay, that's it. And, um, you know, if it's helpful, I can talk about kind of some of the key elements to what drew me back. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. I feel like it'd be helpful for listeners who find themselves in a, a similar spot or who want to prepare for when those experiences may come in the future. Yeah, it's funny, you know, depending on your age, I mean, not everybody's had this, you know, horrific crucible, but life is tough. So if you haven't had one, you know, you will. I mean, it's just, 
it's kind of hard to avoid, unfortunately. I guess for me, I mean, a number of things, probably my faith in Christ in particular was probably the biggest thing that helped me back, just the sense that God loves us unconditionally, at least from my perspective. And, you know, he doesn't need Fairfax Media or my achievements there. I mean, obviously, from my perspective, if he wanted it to happen, it would have happened despite my stupidity and, you know, many mistakes and false assumptions. So even with that, it wasn't easy, but the sense just that unconditional love and he doesn't need my stuff or, you know, he has things for us to do, but it's not, his love doesn't depend on it. That was certainly a cornerstone. Uh, I got married in the late eighties. So my wife has always been a huge source of support. Again, unconditional love, had young kids in the nineties. And then gradually I found things that I could do that was more towards my gifting. I started doing some business and financial analysis for a local aviation services company in Maryland where we live. And from there, got into executive coaching and eventually got into crucible leadership, which I do now. So finding things that were more in line with my gifting, as well as the other areas, the unconditional love spiritually in my family, those are the cornerstones of helping me bounce back. When you go through a crucible moment, it's easy to look back and think, what would I have done differently? First of all, did you do that? Did you learn any lessons along the way? And then second of all, would you recommend that? Do you feel like that's too much uh, focusing on the past? Or do you think that after a crucible moment, there are lessons to be gained and it's worth thinking about and reflecting on as long as it doesn't become something that's all encompassing? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Josh. Um, I'm reminded of a guy that we had on our podcast, Professor uh, Joseph Badaroko, a professor at Harvard Business School, and he's written a couple of books, uh, Quiet Leadership and um, I think a more recent one, uh, Step Back. And he talks about the difference between reflecting and ruminating. I never really thought of this distinction, but ruminating is when you go over and over and over your mistakes again, you know, just to sort of, you know, do an exercise of self-flagellation and self-persecution and that's not helpful. And you know, we tend to do that because we're all human. But reflection is different. So yes, I went through my fair share using that model of ruminating in the 90s of how could I be so dumb? I was a Harvard Business School MBA. I mean, my gosh, went to Oxford. I'm, I don't think I'm an idiot, but you get emotionally involved and it's the legacy of my dad. So all these so I guess part of the lesson was sometimes you're young and, and you just make mistakes because of a lot of maybe some understandable emotional reasons. So, you know, give yourself a break. I mean, one of the lessons I learned is you got to forgive yourself, even, you know, when you do some things that are really dumb and have life-altering consequences. You know, don't have yourself worth wrapped up in, in my case, the family business. From my spiritual perspective, you know, our self-worth should be from more eternal sources, yeah, I mean, I think we make mistakes. You've got to learn the lessons. I made a lot of false assumptions. I was in the wrong position given my gifting. I'm a reflective advisor, not a take-no-prisoners leader. That's probably the biggest lessons I mentioned. It was just a terrible fit for who I was, but be who you designed to be. Yeah, learn the lessons you've been through and then forgive yourself and try to move on. And, and I've found the more that I'm moving on, whether it's things I've done with coaching I've been on the elder board of church and uh, the, the board of my kids' private school, a faith-based school. All of the things I've done, uh, as well as crucible leadership where I'm using my gifting, all of that definitely helps me to move on. So be who you are, give yourself a break, 
you know, forgive yourself and just keep moving into areas where you're more gifted. That to me is probably three keys to moving beyond a crucible. I'd like to hear a little bit of your insight on what it looks like to share the story of your crucible moment in the future. I don't want to be too flippant of anyone's particular story, but it seems like it would be easier to incorporate this into your your post-crucible moment in life if it's something that was inflicted on you rather than something that you caused. But at the same time, either way, whatever happened, it's important that you're able to, to talk about it and to share lessons like you're doing today. Any recommendations on how people can get past the moment, but then also use it not only as a way to position yourself for the future, but also as a way to teach others what to do and maybe even what not to do. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, yes, it might be easier for what I mentioned before. We had a fellow who was a Navy SEAL and uh, was paralyzed in a training accident. Clearly not his fault. You know, everything was done right. Just sometimes bad things happen. And you could say, well, is it more difficult to share something in a sense where it was your fault, which you know, and to a large degree, it was in my case. I think that's where leaders more and more are realizing it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say to your team, you know, I've made mistakes. You know, maybe when you were younger, you made some poor life choices. Maybe you started a business and uh, it didn't work out. Maybe, you know, you were kind of a jerk and didn't listen to people. You were just, you know, not a particularly nice person. Well, it's okay to share those stories because I think Again, if your self-worth isn't so much bound up with, you know, whether you make mistakes or not, which we all do, I don't know that it matters whether the crucible was your fault or not your fault. More and more, I think people respect people who are willing to be authentic and vulnerable. It doesn't mean you have to share every dumb thing you've ever done. But one of the things we talk about, vulnerability for a purpose, if there's a reason to share that helps people, I mean, that's really the focus when sharing is Jesus uh, shared a lot of stories, that parables, you think of Aesop's uh, fables. There's typically one point you're trying to make with a story. So if by sharing your story, it's going to help people, by all means, share that. If it's not going to help anybody and you're just mentioning something dumb just for the sake of mentioning something dumb, then that's oversharing. So that's really the key is, is this going to help somebody? If it's going to help somebody, share the story, and they will actually admire you more than they did before you shared. So, you know, by sharing openly, even about our mistakes, it actually makes people think more of us rather than less because you've had the courage to share. So, you know, vulnerability actually can be helpful. One of the things that you help people to do after their crucible experiences is to help them live a life rooted in who they are. Could you speak to that? And maybe also for those who haven't had those crucible experiences, is it just as easy and just as possible to live that life rooted in who they are? You know, it's absolutely certainly possible. The only reason we often talk about crucibles is crucibles, sort of like getting hit with a two before. Most people are not reflective. And, you know, in uh, the world we live in, which is, in a sense, we're in a bit of a economic and uh, health crisis with COVID, a lot of things are going on. People don't have time to think or reflect. And so with the crucible, there's so much pain involved that pain forces you to think, you know, what happened? Why did I make this mistake? If it wasn't my fault, how can I get beyond this? So crucibles are helpful, but even without some searing experience, I think the first step towards living a life of significance is to understand, well, how am I wired? There are many assessments you can take. 
to help figure that out. You can just even ask friends, family, what am I good at? What are the areas maybe I'm not so good at? The people that know as well, they know what that is. And I think oftentimes we know what that is. So that's one of the keys is just understanding how we're designed. Probably the, the next step is just understanding what are my values and beliefs? What am I passionate about? And so if you find a vision that's in line with how you're designed, that is something you're off the charts passionate about, that's rooted in what you really believe, that kind of vision will stand much more chance of succeeding. And if it's all around the paradigm of, you know, focused on others, which is how we define a life of significance, a life lived on purpose, dedicated to serving others, that brings a whole lot more joy than just focus on yourself, just because of how we're wide as humans. So that's probably the snapshot of kind of how you live a life of significance. You know, we've talked about people who have and have not experienced these crucible moments and and everyone has had difficult moments but these paradigm shifting and life altering experiences do you have any recommendations for how people who have not yet had something like that in their life how they can test their metal so to speak without actually having to purposely seek out something like this a way to see what they're made of and a way to test themselves to get a better understanding of who they are and how they operate in difficult situations without something that might turn their life upside down? Or would you say that this is really something totally qualitatively different than simply seeking out difficult experiences? Yeah, I don't know that you have to seek them out, but there are many crucibles and, you know, we all have growth opportunities. You know, maybe uh, you get promoted to managing a small business unit uh, when you're young. And so one of the things is you don't want to have your life ruled by fear. So if an opportunity presents yourself, take it, you know, now there might be some fear, there might be some pain, you might make mistakes, but you can't live a fearful life saying, I'm going to play it safe and never make a mistake. It doesn't mean you should just sort of jump off a cliff. Gee, you know, I wonder what's going to happen. I mean, then there's, there's growth opportunities and then it's foolish and just plain dumb. There is a difference, but I don't think we know what that is. So when there are growth opportunities, uh, seize them. Sometimes things will come your way that may not be a full-blown crucible, but, you know, maybe you didn't get that uh, promotion. Okay, well, why didn't I get that promotion? I remember a story with Horst Schultze, who uh, founded the Four Seasons uh, Hotel. He's, you know, immigrated from Germany to the U.S. a number of years ago, and he started off in the San Francisco hotel just in room service, and there was an opening for room service manager, and he didn't get it. And so we asked his boss, well, why didn't I get it? I've been here a while. I said, well, you turn up late, and your work ethic isn't really that good. Well, was that a full-blown crucible? You know, not really. But at the time, it was searing. He vowed at that point, I am never going to be outworked. I'm going to turn up on time. I'm going to be responsible. When the next opening comes up, you better believe it. I'm going to get it. And he did, you know, became a hotel manager and, you know, now, you know, founded this massive hotel chain. So there's an example of that wasn't this major altering life crisis necessarily, though at the time it felt pretty searing, but it's just when those opportunities come, take them. When the, the many life lessons come, learn them, learn those lessons. That's probably the key because those are things that every single human has, you know, those little lessons, opportunities, and growth uh, opportunities. 
work. I've enjoyed our conversation today. And in just a second, I'm going to have you share with people where they can find out more about you and the work that you do. But before that, is there anything that you would like to leave the listeners with, whether it's something that you'd like to reiterate from our conversation today or something that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet that you think would be really valuable for us to hear? You know, I think great leaders don't focus on their own success. It's really what we talk about is a life of significance, a life on purpose focused on others. So if you're a leader, almost be self-centered in, in, in some weird way of describing it because everybody wants joy in life. I don't know one human that doesn't say, no, I don't want to be joyful. You want joy in your life. You want joy in your career. Live a life of significance focused on others because that's where true joy lies. And so try and understand, okay, how can I be part of the solution? How can I help other people? How can I help maybe make the world a better place in some small way? That's not going to be easy, but that's a journey. It's a legacy that you and your family and your friends can be proud of. So, you know, live a life that when you're gone, others can be proud of. Because at the end of the day, when you're on your deathbed, you'll feel like, okay, I lived a life that I and others can be proud of. That's really, I think, what life's all about. Well, if people have connected with what you've shared today and would like to find out more about you and Crucible Leadership, where would you like them to go to find out more? The best place is crucibleleadership.com. We're active on social media, on LinkedIn and Facebook. You can also sign up for blogs. We have a uh, podcast, Beyond the Crucible. As I think I mentioned, a book coming out next year on Crucible Leadership. And we have a uh, brand new uh, assessment where you can find out where you are on the journey to leading a life of significance. We have all sorts of cool archetypes like being a world changer or an imagineer. And so you can figure out, okay, where are you on that journey and what next steps do you need to do? So yeah, a lot of things on uh, crucibleleadership.com. All right, Warwick, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, it's great to be here, Josh. Once again, if you'd like to connect with Warwick, you can go to his website at crucibleleadership.com. You can find that link and other information in the show notes below. Now, let's go ahead and get to today's three key takeaways. The first one is Warwick's idea of living and leading in light of your design. One of the things that he said is that he's more of a reflective leader rather than a take no prisoners leader. Now, you can live and lead in any number of ways, but it's really important to know who you are and how you need to lead and live in light of that design. The second key takeaway is this. Be vulnerable for a purpose. If your story will help someone, share it. If not, it may be oversharing. This isn't particularly connected to the idea of a crucible moment, but I feel like it's a really valuable lesson. We have people talking about vulnerability so much these days. Sometimes people hear that and they decide to overshare. So if your story will help someone, share it. And if not, you might be oversharing. And the final key takeaway is this. There's a difference between rumination and reflection. Rumination is when you relive situations and continue beating yourself up about those situations, especially when you can't do anything about it. Reflection leads to lessons learned. So essentially, are you beating yourself up about your past mistakes or are you learning from them? 
Now, as always at the end of the show, I want to remind you about the Leadership Action List. If you've not yet downloaded this free resource, I want to encourage you to go to leadershipactionlist.com and download it today. What it is, is 52 action steps you can take as a leader. That's one action step per week for the entire year that you can take as a leader to make sure that you are taking conscious steps to improve your leadership. If this sounds like something that might be helpful for you or your leadership team, once again, download it at leadershipactionlist.com. We'll be back once again later this week with another great interview. And until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.